everyone. Welcome to another episode of Opposites React. It is episode 87 on September 22nd, 2021. My name is Sarah and I'm here with Tyler. How are you, Tyler? You're so excited, not beat. I can never match your energy. <laughs> you should try sometime. Yeah, then it comes across as forced for me. You it doesn't just... sound it for me. I sound natural. When, when you're talking to other people, yes. Oh, I know the truth. That true, felt I know, like a silent, no, I know the undercutting true jab. I thought you are very, just very pleasant and happy when you're talking to people on the phone. Or so you're saying I'm to, naturally unpleasant. I think if you would talk the way you normally talk, you'd be a little more subdued. Not a bad thing. I like seeing this side of you. I'm just saying you're very upbeat for the podcast, which is good. We need the energy, right? Apparently, since you don't have any. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't have any. I, when I start talking about things, then I get into it. Just, I don't know how to open these things. Mm, I'm going to make you do it next week then. Fine. All right. <laughs> well, what have you been up to? You, you had a theater journey yesterday. I did. Um, I guess I can, talk, I can talk about that now really briefly. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because I'm not going to get into spoilers or anything. I mean, this movie just came out, I think it was last week in mm. Canada anyway. Um, yeah, so I just... You know, I'd heard good things about this movie and a little, little bit of hype around it. So I wanted to go see it after work yesterday. So I went to the theater and I saw a movie called Cop Shop. I think it's all one title. There's not a space between it. It's just called Cop Shop. Uh, it's directed by Joe Carnahan, who I'm a fan of. fan of his, most of his movies. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've talked on here many times about Smoke and Aces, one of my oh, favorite movies. Oh, this is supposed to be him. This is him, yes. Oh. Now, he's no done, he he's done a lot of interesting movies since then. Like, he... That wasn't his first movie, Smoking Aces, but I think it was the one where he kind of blew up. Right. Uh, and then after that, he did he did a pretty good job directing the... Uh, they did like an A-Team movie with Bradley oh. Cooper and Liam Neeson. That was pretty good. That was entertaining. And after that, I'm trying to remember what he did after that. Um, he hasn't done a lot of role. I looked at his filmography in the last like four or five years. He just He's done a lot of writing and like producing stuff, but he hasn't actually directed for a while until this year when he, he did another movie... I think it's which I think is on Amazon right now called Boss Level. I want to check that one out. The premise sounds kind of he he makes interesting premises. Okay. His, the synopsis for his movies always sound interesting, and this one was no different. I mean, this one on the surface looks very basic, which I appreciate. I like sometimes it's like a small scale story. You know, it doesn't be huge. You know, obviously you have your big Marvel movies and all these other things that you can just see the money all over the screen. Sometimes you just want a <laughs> nice small self-contained yeah. movie which is what this is and mostly i say like 90 percent of the movie takes place inside this one little police station okay um i think it's i think it's a little i, I can't remember the name of the the place i'm sure it's a real place it's just outside nevada i think but it's where most of the movie takes place so you have the main character teddy teddy moretto i think was his full name played by frank grillo i don't know if it's pronounced grillo or grillo but frank grillo if you google him you'd probably recognize his face from some kind of movies he's in a lot of movies anyway he's the main character and he gets um at the beginning of the movie, he's on the beginning of the movie. He's on the run from something. Like his, he's he's in like what looks like probably like a stolen police car or something. You don't know the context. And his car, the car dies, and he's just sort of like on the run. And then he gets himself intentionally arrested. Like he basically assaults a police officer so he can get arrested and thrown into a jail cell for the night because someone's hunting him. Like someone wants uh, to kill him. So he's like, well, I'll be safe inside a jail cell, right? Yeah. This little sheriff station somewhere outside Nevada with like you know five or six employees. So, um, so shortly after he gets incarcerated, another uh another gentleman um intentionally crashes his car into a, into the scene of the first accident where the, oh where the police gosh. are investigating so he gets arrested too and he's he's posing as a drunk like everybody's like, oh it's a drunk driver let's throw him in jail mm. so that character is played by gerard butler who people for know from like 300 300 film or like uh you know olympus has fallen oh, what else has he been in lately 
there's been a lot of stuff in the last 10 years as well, obviously, but he did mostly action roles for him, right? Mm -hmm. Which there's no difference. So anyways, his name was what Bob Vidic, I think. And he gets thrown in separate jail cell across from Teddy. And shortly he reveals, this is only, this is within the first half hour of the movie. I'm not going to get into any more spoilers after this, but he basically reveals that he knows who Teddy is and he's been trying to kill him or he's there to kill him. He's there to kill him. Laying it out there. Right. So it's, and then from there, the, the movie devolves into sort of like a cat and mouse game where, you know, you have these two guys that are in this police station together, these opposite jail cells, and trying to sort of negotiate or discuss why each, why one's after the other guy and why the other guy's on the run and stuff like that. So it's, you know, a little bit of a drama thriller, whatever you want to call it, with some action. And it was a, it was a good movie. I, I'm not going to – I would say um, I walked out of the theater being like, yeah, it was good. But the thing is, like, you know, for me, two of the biggest things for me when I, when I walk out of a movie, the first two things that pop into my head are, would I want to watch this again? Mm-hmm. And would I recommend it to anybody else? And in this case, I have a hard time justifying either of those because I feel like on its surface, it was a good hour 45-ish watch. It was, it was, I was entertained, but I don't think I'd ever watch it again. I don't think there's any point. There's no huge twists. Um, the action scenes were good, but not like amazing enough I'd want to revisit and, right. re- and recommending it to someone, I'd be like, you know, again, like I, I wouldn't necessarily say, yeah, go spend 10, 15 bucks on this in the theater. I'd say wait for it to come on, you know, Netflix or Amazon or wherever it comes to in the next six months. But yeah, I don't know. So Cop Shop was a good movie, but it, it probably like, wouldn't make my, my top 10 of the year list or anything. So I think the sad thing is that you went to the theater on cheap night <laughs> on an opening like week mm-hmm. and there was three whole people there. Well, again, like you said, I went to like 4.45 on a Tuesday. But still. Uh, and it's a movie that hasn't had like a ton of marketing or anything. But only three people on cheap night. I'm sure there's a lot more people at like the 7 or 10 I o'clock showings. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, or maybe it's just the state of most movies nowadays. I mean, people, maybe people are still hesitant to go to the theaters because of COVID. And I don't know. I mean, like I said, I mean, we'll see. Well, the real the real test will be in a couple of weeks when I go to basically Ooh. opening night of James Bond for No Time mm-hmm. to Die. And I'm sure that'll be as packed as they can I hope so. have it for yeah. probably still like 50% capacity or whatever. But um, yeah, that'll be interesting. So that was my movie experience. What uh, what have you been up to last week? Anything special? You made me watch Homecoming. For those that don't know, what is Homecoming? Homecoming is an original series on Amazon Prime mm-hmm. uh, starring Julia Roberts and other people I don't know. Uh, who else was in it? You had uh, Stephen James, Shea Wiggum, Bobby Cannavale. I'm trying to remember who else is in the cast. It's a good cast. Uh, I'll believe you. Yeah. But... The basic premise is that um, people coming back from the war in Afghanistan were sent to a private facility um, to kind of go through counseling to try and forget uh, what the traumatic experience that they had to try and um, not get rid of, but... Well, they're trying to rehabilitate and like, yes. recondition them for civilian With life, right? Counseling yeah. and medication right. so they can go back home and live a normal life, right? Um, and Tyler's like, oh, yeah, I watched the first five episodes of this. It'll be great. You'll like this, Sarah. So I watched the whole first season, um, and it was boring. It was very boring. I'm sad I finished it. <laughs> what all you expected out of it? I, I never hyped it up as like having this amazing. Well, like, I, I was like, okay, Taylor, I haven't watched a Netflix series or like an Amazon yeah. series for a while. You so, what do you recommend? And you recommended poop. I wanted to recommend. I recommend you something that was original that you'd never heard of before. That I thought again, I'd never seen the whole first season, but what I did see of it was intriguing, and I thought I wanted to see where it went. So I thought. Maybe so you if, used me as a guinea pig, and well, I, I yes said and no. no. <laughs> 
So yeah, that's what I watched last week. So now I need a good show to watch. Well, at least you only had to watch ten episodes, and they were like half an hour each. So it's not like it was a huge time investment for you. Goodbye. You basically, five hours. Basically, basically binged most of it in like two days. I did. Right? Yeah. No, so. that's three days. Three days. Okay, fine. Because after you got after episode six, it's like, well, we made it this far, <laughs> <laughs> so might as well finish it. Well, I apologize that you didn't like it. Your recommendations are poop. <laughs> so now I haven't watched your show since. <laughs> well, you'll have your Grey's Anatomy back soon. So. <gasps> Next Thursday. Oh, you'll be. Oh, no, you'll be home. <laughs> I was thinking that was Bond night. Oh. That's the next Thursday. No, after wait. That. Next Thursday, I'm at the Blue Jays game. Oh yeah! I don't have to have Tyler ridiculing me about Grey's Anatomy for two Thursdays. It'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> that's been my week. And Tales of the Rise, and that's still great. I'm mm. still trucking along. I have a third party member now, so yay! <laughs> we're, we're in progress. Yeah, I'm at an interesting place game-wise in terms of, you know, obviously my mainstays, Apex and MLB. Unfortunately, Apex Legends, when they put out an update last week, they kind of broke most of the game. I don't know what happened with the servers. I've heard it's a lot worse on the PC side mm. than on the console side, so I haven't been affected by it too much. But there's still a lot of inst- instances where I'll just load into games and, like, my teammates will just disconnect right away or... I don't know. I'm not sure what the issues are. I've heard it's a lot worse when you're playing ranked as well as mm. opposed to playing the regular trios and duos but it's gotten a bit better over the last couple of days they put out a lot of patches they're still trying to fix whatever server issues they're having but uh, i know a lot of people in the community are complaining and a lot of people are you know of course threatening they're dropping off they're gonna go play call of duty or they're gonna go play the new halo beta that's coming out soon oh, okay. and stuff like that so if they want to play call of duty they've <laughs> pl- already played call of duty or well there might be a call of duty beta coming out for the new one as well is there i think so or maybe it already happened i can't remember but <laughs> and then it will be the show you know i mean it's still in a good place obviously like you know technology I, obviously there's no issue with the servers there um i just mean like from a you know community perspective again i think a lot of people jump ship when, it's winding when, when, down. Mad, when madden came out yeah. yeah the baseball season's ending you still have your main your mainstays like me who are going to stick around and, and grind out all the content but yeah uh, extra life in november you'll still be there oh yeah yeah the new, i mean the new ending program starts this coming friday um and i expect them to do like things they've done in the past like i'm sure soon maybe by the end maybe by next month they'll come out with like their you know extreme programs with all these awesome cards yeah, and then, then of course like, then they'll, March. <laughs> they'll have post game cards obviously for october and stuff so mm. the content doesn't stop it pretty much doesn't stop until like december mm-hmm. but uh but again, like the game is, I don't know, they've done such a jo- a great job this year. Well, you can debate whether it's a good thing or not. I think it's, I'm fine with it that they've made it. Because again, I'm, and this year I'm 100% uh, no money spent. I'm not, yep. outside of the $100 I spent on the initial game mm-hmm. back in like March, I've not spent a single dollar on any other. Like, Which is, in the past few years, you have spent a lot of money. Yeah, and again, that was just more my own impatience. Like, oh, yeah. you know, I just want to have these cards right away. But like this year though, they've. If you play as much as I do, which a lot of which a lot of people that are on Reddit and stuff do play a lot, um, you can easily just by playing the game naturally get enough stubs to get any card in the game you want. Yeah. Like the, just the other day, like I managed to salvage like up to six hundred thousand stubs, which again would be like six hundred dollars in real life money if you just threw your credit card on it. And I just bought like you know like I can buy all the ninety nine cards in the game that I want that are on the market because again they made them so much easier to obtain this year through the world series and the uh, or sorry the the ranked and the battle royale rewards and stuff like that um i'm very curious about their earnings like i wish i knew oh i mean they're still doing stub sales and things all oh, the time sure, i'm sure they're still raking in lots of money but, but people like you that didn't spend any money this year because they didn't have yeah to. i mean they didn't get an extra couple hundred out of me this year but mm-hmm. uh, but they had xbox people this year right so. i'm sure a lot of xbox people threw easy money down because they were just Especially like oh. if they had gone game pass it was free right yeah yeah, no, it's interesting. I want. I'm very curious to see how it carries over to next year. Mm-hmm. 
Like what they tweak and take away. and Right. But uh, sticking with baseball for one second, I just want to read and giving full credit here to one of our one of our listeners, Dan. Okay. Who uh, he sent me a, an article earlier today that I was reading. I'm not going to read the whole article because it's pretty long, but basically it's an article. It's on MLB.com right now, and the, it's just titled How MLB Makes Sure That Your Souvenir Is, quote, Real. I'm using air tags here. But air tags, or, air, air quotes. Sorry, there air you quotes. Go. Not air tags. That's <laughs> air hashtags. What are those? So basically, the article is specifying like how much time and effort MLB puts into making sure that if you're buying some kind of memorabilia, mm. that it's actually authentic Legit. and not forged. Because yeah. um, it says um, the, the 2021 season marks the 20th anniversary of a process for MLB that is not commonly known to fans. They have a one-of-a-kind authentication program that is the most comprehensive collection system of any sports league because they have to document hundreds of thousands of pieces every season. So what they're doing is, um, let's give you an example here. It says the authentication program began back in 2001 with the help of an outside accounting firm. And after a few years of fine-tuning, by 2006, the program formed into what it is today. So basically, here's how it works. It says MLB has 220 official authenticators. On, on, these are people? Yes. Okay. All of whom are either active or retired law enforcement officers. So it says two authenticators are present at every spring training and regular season game. So, man, so again, think about that. If you've got 15 regular season games going on any given night, you got at least two people at every one of these right. games. With upwards of a dozen people on hand for special events like the All-Star Game World Series. Mm-hmm. So before the game, they meet these people meet to discuss what's at stake on a given day. You know, is there a new player making a debut? Is anyone chasing a particular milestone? Anything that might stand out that day, right? And then during the game, their job, they stand next to the dugouts, and their job is to document every game-used ball. Who who throws it, who hits it, who fields it. They keep track oh of everything. Oh, my gosh. So that's where it gets interesting, too. Once a ball is no longer in play, so, you know, like, like I said, you know, the ball, say someone hits a single, you know, ball Throw gets back. Double. Right. Anything, anytime the ball's in play. Uh, the authenticator retrieves it, often from the ball boy or ball girl, and they put a small silver sticker on it, and that sticker is the backbone of the authenticator program because each sticker is marked with a tamper-proof hologram and unique letter code. And that code is then matched in a database where the authenticator has chronicled the use of that object in question. <laughs> wow. Right? Um, it says, and it says, in recent years, the documentation of the game used balls has been expanded to include corresponding data from StatCast. Yeah. Which is, that's when they track the, the pitch velocity and the exit velocity after it gets hit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it says, like, for example, here, like, for the truly historic moments, say, for example, like, Miguel Cabrera hitting his 500th yeah. home run this yeah. year. So the authentication program is vital in ensuring that a chain of custody record is kept for all the items involved. The balls used by pitchers against Cabrera, for example, when he was sitting on number 499, they were, all the balls were specially marked with an M, a serial number, and a unique marking visible only with an ultraviolet light so that they could be verified if or when a lucky fan caught the 500th home run ball. Ah. Yeah. Like it says, when the program when the program initially started, authenticators had to authenticators had to literally chase this history. Like it says, when the Cardinals clinched their 2006 World Series title with a strikeout, the catcher Yadier Molina was initially perplexed as he was approached on the field by one of these authenticators, and um, the guy basically said to Molina, "You know, it's the last out ball. We need to authenticate it." So it says now, understanding the situation, uh, Molina in full catcher's gear gave this guy the ball and. Wrapped him in a big bear hug. <laughs> like it says, although not every item can be authenticated because individualized serial numbers like the Cabrera balls, for example, are only used for major historical circumstances. Any other home runs hit into the stands are typically not verifiable unless the ball never leaves the authenticator's line of sight. 
Mm. Um, so if they're lucky enough to track down yeah. the guy in the front row who caught like a ball, then they might be able to, you know, like it says, for example, like it, something that you would think would be an historic example here in the aftermath of this summer's Field of Dreams game. Yeah. That special game they had about a month or month, month ago. Yeah. It says home run balls that were collected in the corner field were not distinguishable from each other and from batting practice balls. So they couldn't be verified. Okay. Um, but it says, but his team did the next best thing. They authenticated the corn stalks themselves. <laughs> So they found a sure. so they found a patch in the outfield. They pulled out ten or twelve stocks and authenticated them with stickers and had them shipped back to the warehouse, <laughs> so fans could just buy those and be like, "Oh, I got an authentic corn stock from that Field of Dreams game." <laughs> it's gonna like rot in five seconds. <laughs> oh. People will buy anything. Yeah. So again, I just you know, I mean, obviously, they, there's obviously like you know, historic footballs in the NFL and there's historic. I'm sure it's historic hockey pucks in the NHL for certain moments, but it seems like with base, given the fact that. There's so many, like, hundreds of baseballs are used mm-hmm. every MLB game. <laughs> to think, like, how many of these have to be tracked down and authenticated. And, and but I think it's interesting, though, how they chronicle all these things now with, you know, these codes and everything's digitally stored and, you know. 220 it's... lucky law enforcement officers that love baseball have a great future ahead of them. <laughs> right? Sounds like a cool job. You get to travel a lot, probably. Mm. Like, think about just, like, getting a free ride to an all-star game so you can yeah. just, you know. We'll see the ball boys and ball girls. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was an interesting read. I mean, it's something that, you know, you probably had no idea it was that intense. <laughs> no. If anything, I just thought, I always just thought, like, in the case of the Miguel Cabrera thing, I thought, obviously, like, okay, for the 500th home run, they would probably do their best to track that down. and Yeah. Like, eyeball it, right. basically. But the fact that just, like, every ball that's in play, every game gets cracked, and it's crazy. But, yeah, I thought it was interesting. So, thanks for that article, Dan. It was a good read. So, I, um, as I mentioned earlier, obviously, the new james bond film no time to die is coming out on well it's coming out here in north america on, on october 8th mm-hmm. i think it's out a week earlier in the uk they get it a week earlier so reviews for that should be coming out soon i'm very intrigued to see um i imagine like you'll most... probably read the whole plot within five no seconds i want no i don't want to know i thought we made this deal like forever ago too where you said you would not read the plot for this movie I don't read plots for movies that i'm interested in if there's a movie i'm on the fence about i might read the plot online to be like okay this is worth my time to go is it, is it not only worth me spending 10, 15 bucks to go to the theater watching movies, <laughs> or worth my time to sit there for two and a half hours, plus the drive to get there, for a movie that I might just be like, eh, you it's okay. just roll out of work and literally fall into the theater also, so. True. Which, I did, which again, I didn't mind for movies like the one I saw yesterday, mm-hmm. but in some other cases, if it's a movie with a with a, like a okay critical reception and word of mouth, I'm like, I don't know. It's not, I might as well wait for it to come out on streaming, right? So, but like I said, I mean, I'm sure, I'll make a prediction now. I'll say in the case of No Time to Die... Let's just say. Are we doing like Rotten Tomatoes here? Yeah, I'd okay. say I'll say Rotten Tomatoes score by time. Let's say by the time it launches in North America, because again, there'd probably be like I don't know, ten or twenty British reviews by the time it comes out over there. But Rotten Tomatoes is mostly like North American, I think. So we'll say by the time it comes out in North America, uh, I'll say it settles in around seventy-three percent. That seems like a safe Man, number. Man, I can't decide. I. Can't. I don't think it's gonna be terrible, and but I also don't. Well, I guess for I guess for reference, for reference, I should see what they rated Spectre as because I didn't see, like Spectre. I'm gonna say it's gonna be barely rotten. So I think what what is it to have to qualify for? Is that to be 65 or higher to be a, a fresh on Rotten Tomatoes? I don't remember the. Hang on a second. I just want to see what they rated Spectre because again, I did not like that one as much. I don't think critics were crazy about it either, but I could be wrong. Watch it have something like an 80. <laughs> Like I don't think it's I I'd be shocked if it's above like eighty five. Okay, you gotta look no, at that and then Quantum Solace. You know, we just rank all the when you look at right, all, the, all, all the Daniel Craig, Craig ones. ones. All right, fine. 
Okay, so so we'll work backwards here. So oh. so Spectre, because again, I think if you work backward, well, that's not true because the quantum cells. But Spectre was a sixty-three. Okay. Apparently, so okay. I guess I guess if it's above, if it's sixty or above, it's fresh. So okay. sixty-three is it was just fresh. Okay. But sixty-three again for a Bond film was like, eh. All right. Um, Sky Skyfall must have been good. I, I'm gonna say I Sky, feel Skyfall has got to be in the eighties. I, I was gonna say low eighties. Oh, wow, ninety-two for Skyfall. Oof. Yeah, people did love Skyfall, and I I, I agree, it's a great film. Quantum of Solace. Quantum Quantum was uh, divisive. Let's see, Quantum of Solace was sixty-four, so kind of okay. on, on par with Spectre. Yeah. And I gotta assume Casino Royale has got to be in the high eighties. I think that was pretty well received. Casino Royale was ninety-four. So I'm gonna say. So okay, so no time so, to die is the worst. So look at it this way. He basically went. If you're, if you're going in order here from when Craig started, so Casino Royale, he went, he went 94 to yeah. 64 uh-huh. to 92 to 63. Yeah. So it's like, so, oh, so, so we're it, following the trend it here. should be amazing. Right? No time that I should be like I, a 90. I think his poo-poo <laughs> attitude is going to bring this one down. Why do you keep saying that? I, think, I feel I, I think feel he, I think he actually tried on this one. He, you fake tried. I think I, I, I think I think he was <laughs> I think he was bored out of his mind with Spectre, and I don't blame him because I would have been bored making that movie too. But I feel like this one's got a lot more passion behind it. The action scenes look like they have more energy, and I think he knows it's his last shot. Oh, the at good it. trailer. I think he wants to give it his best. Okay, that's what I'm hoping. I'm for. hoping for you. I right. honestly am, but I feel that this is this is a 62. Oh, that's no. I said 73, and you I did. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. He hasn't gotten again, 70 yet. Only 90s and 60s. So. Like, again, a lot of that though is too is like I just don't know what the general population thinks about bond anymore like i, I, think like I feel like in the last man. few years mission impossible has stolen a lot of that thunder uh-huh. i mean those movies are pretty pretty intense we don't need suave people we just need tom cruise in our life <laughs> well i just don't want i don't like when the bond films play it safe like that's what i felt specter was i felt they played the movie very safe like, uh, like Casino Royale obviously was very different from, from what most Bond fans expected. Mm-hmm. Quantum of Solace was not a terrible film. But it, it was, was different. But Quantum of Solace was also really affected by the writer's strike at the time. The uh... script was a mess. You could tell there's a lot of reshoots and things were, yeah. And Skyfall was great, I thought. And then, like I said, I, I don't know what happened with Spectre because it was the same director as Skyfall and the same writers. But obviously, I just don't know what happened with Spectre that made it just so blah. But, yeah. We I shall know. see. We'll know soon enough. But anyways, my point I was going to make was, now that I'm sort of on the Bond hype train again, and I have, I'm, I'm off work this coming Friday, mm-hmm. because it will be my birthday. And Congratulations, you're older. Thank you. And um, I was downstairs looking at my DVD Blu-ray collection earlier, and I was like, oh yeah, I got for like, I think it was like a year or two ago, for, as a gift, I got the the Pierce Brosnan Blu-ray collection, so all four Pierce Brosnan's films. I'm pretty sure I haven't even opened it yet. So I was thinking Friday I might do a little Bond marathon from some Pierce Brosnan, which is great because you start out with Goldeneye, which is the best, and then Tomorrow Never Dies, which was still pretty good. It was a step down from Goldeneye, but still a pretty good Bond film, in my opinion. And then The World Is Not Enough is kind of, eh, now we're starting to kind of get into the bad ones, and then Die Another Day just goes off a cliff. Right. But, but it's still somewhat entertaining. <laughs> so, yeah, I will watch some. Get your Reese's pieces right I got, I got a whole, I got a whole bunch of i got a whole bunch i got a whole bunch of milk i got a, i got a whole bunch of reese's candy tonight and, and, a, and a bunch of craft beers so i'm just gonna yeah I'm nice gonna, you, i'll lock you in the basement and sure. i will have a final you time to lock me in the basement we have to lock me in there. <laughs> <laughs> you just ignore me down there that's fine but oh that's what you want for your birthday me to ignore you i mean when you're getting older you appreciate <laughs> The little things. Like, to me, it, it doesn't sound like a bad idea to, to be, be sitting in a basement covered in Reese's wrappers 
<laughs> and drinking beer while watching James Bond. It took you all five seconds to get through those reasons, though. You need something yeah, good for you still. That's true. I'll, I'll make you Campbell's soup and I'll bring it down to you. It's all, the only <laughs> no, contact I, I, we'll have. I have a skip the dishes coupon. Maybe I can... Do you? I do. Oh, so I'll have to get the door for you then. No, I'll get it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I got to come now. out of the basement eventually. But <laughs> Sunlight, what is that? Um, we've oh, I can't remember if we mentioned this before or not on the last podcast, but we've we've been reading, we started reading Dune together. We did. In, 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 in anticipation of the movie coming out next month, we I think we got through three or four chapters so far. Three. Is it just three? It is three. I thought it was four. Okay. It's three. No, no, you're right. Uh, yeah, it's three. You're right. Okay, my bad. It's heavy material, and it, Man, for I, somebody, I don't, I don't want to read too much to you at once because I feel like you have a hard enough time just kind of following the, the current <laughs> names. And okay, this is I understand that it's Sarah's fault because for somebody who almost failed a literacy test, <laughs> this is really hard for me to understand. So yeah, I am I am struggling. I'm trying. Like Tyler will quiz me like this next time we read it, and he'll be like, "Okay, what happened last chapter?" Like, who are the people? Because so far they're doing a good job when the, when the author breaks up each chapter. Like each chapter really only deals with three or four characters at once. It's very segmented. Right. So it's like you're dealing with like this part of the family, and then you're dealing with this other family, yeah. and like then, there's then you, such big yeah, words. I know. I know there's a lot of names, but again, I feel like he's say, he's he's doing a good job, like you said, segmenting it so far. Yeah. So it's a little bit easier to digest. But yeah. I understand. But again, I just want to give you a bit more con- Even if we don't get through the whole book by the time the movie comes out, I want to give you enough context when you see the movie. You, you no, me- may- maybe immediately you'll see the names. Be like, okay, I remember them, the names from the book. So Because the movie's split in half. Of the well, book. the movie is supposed to be in two parts. Yes. They haven't obviously filmed part two yet. I think they're waiting to see how part one performs. I'm sure it'll do fine. Box office-wise, um, before they give a bunch of money more to part two. But you have to get at least halfway. That's, that's, right. that's the goal. But I and because the first like the new the movie's gonna be probably close to three hours already and uh, I like I appreciate the fact they didn't try and just cram everything from the book into one movie because I feel like that'd be doing a disservice to the material from what I have heard of this material. <laughs> we'll try and get through the material. Yes, we're trying to get through it ourselves. <laughs> uh, I like reading the book first, like especially fresh, and then going into mm-hmm. it and being like, "That's wrong. Why does Harry Potter not have green oh, eyes?" All right, all right, the Harry Potter again. <laughs> Only, you never let that go. Well, it's the worst part about that movie. <laughs> Either way, I would like to get through at least half of Dune. I would like to sure. pretend to that's understand fair. it. Like, yeah. also go to the movie and be like, that was probably right. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I imagined in the book, but I don't know. That movie looks amazing. I'm, that's oh, the yeah. only movie I want to see this year. Yeah, that'll be a spectacle to see for sure on the big screen. I don't even know the peoples, but I'm excited. There's trailers the people, getting like the actors. Yeah, or, oh. those are the people. Yeah. I'm not. I didn't mean the fictional people. Sorry. Oh, okay. The actor people. All right. So um, I think we're gonna wrap up this episode today. As I said, unfortunately, I didn't have a central theme to this one. I was sort of just gonna spitball a few ideas, and uh, I'll have a better. I don't plan ahead for next week. I promise. Oh, you're gonna be in Bond brained. No, no, I won't be Bond next week. I'll, I'll do something else. But um, you'll be Blue Jays brain. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> But uh, I want you to give the email link in a sec, email shout out in a second. I just uh, I'm trying to think of what topic or what we could, what question we could pose to the listeners for this week's episode. If you had a day off, <laughs> all right, and you could just binge anything like a series or a trilogy, of some trilogy, kind, yeah. what would you binge and okay. what would you eat and drink while doing it? <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'm gonna answer this myself when I have time to think about it. Um, but yeah. 
you can email your answer to us at whenoppositesreact at gmail.com. All right. Well, that concludes tonight's episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate your support, as always. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email. And we'll be back same time next week. Bye.